Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Uh, we are still in our series, our One Thing campaign. What's the one thing that Jesus commanded us to do in the Great Commission? Make disciples. I'm going to ask you that every Sunday. Every Sunday, I want you to get louder. Every, every Sunday, I want you to, until like, you know, a month down the road, you're screaming. Make disciples. <laughs> this is one thing that God has called us to do for every believer. Every follower of Jesus, you've been called to make disciples. And so we're talking about what does it mean to make disciples. And before we can begin to make disciples, we have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, if, if, if cooks have to go to culinary school to be, to be great chefs uh, and, and to make food that we can eat that's edible, they go through a training process to figure out how to do it right the first time. Anything that we are going to do to, to produce something in our lives that's going to be worth something, we have to first discipline ourselves and train ourselves up to be the best at making the things that we're supposed to be making in that. Would you agree? And so even if, look at y'all, y'all don't go to a barber who's never gone to barber school, like straighten me up. You're not going to have any hair. You're going to have to shave it all off. Right? Ladies, you would never go to a salon that spends four hours on your hair and it comes out a color you did not expect. Right? You want somebody who's trained and knows what they're doing. And the same is true in the church. We are followers of Jesus who are called to make disciples. But before we can make disciples, we've got to be disciples. We have to know what it means to be followers of Jesus. And that's why we're going through this series on what does it mean to be followers of Jesus. We're going through a book. We have the book in the back. If you'd like to purchase it, you don't have to, but you can. $10 in the back. Uh, and you can follow along as we walk through this. But we're looking at the seven attributes of a follower of Jesus. Over the last few weeks, we talked about what does it mean to be with Jesus. The first attribute of a follower of Jesus is being with Jesus. It's not... Uh, Anything other than learning to be with him, learning to build relationship with him. Uh, if you're going to start a, a dating relationship with somebody, you spend time with that person to get to know them, right? At least in our culture. Um, I would love to do arranged marriages between you and Jesus, but that's not acceptable, right? Hey, guess what? Just walk up to somebody. Guess what? I, you're marrying Jesus. Ta-da. You're a Christian now. Follow. Like, oh, okay. Like, we don't do that in our culture. You, you spend time with somebody. You, you develop relationship. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You spend time with him. You learn about him. You learn his heart. You understand who he is, so you have to be with him. That's what we've discovered over the last couple of weeks. I'm moving now into this week to the second attribute of a follower of Jesus. And the second attribute is learning to listen. Learning to listen to Jesus. The women of, of this house are going through a, a study called uh, discerning the voice of God. I love that. Because the implication is God is speaking. And God is speaking. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the promise to know his voice. Why? Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He said that about you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the distinct relationship to hear God's voice over your life. I believe that God is always speaking. I just believe that we're not always listening. And so we have to learn to listen. We have to discern. We have to discipline ourselves to hear the voice of God. But he is speaking, and you can hear the voice of God over your own your life. I believe it. So this morning, that's what we're going to cover. 
And I want to cover some ways that God speaks to us. So to say to somebody, hey, God is speaking, doesn't help you unless you understand how he speaks. Would you agree? If you don't understand the language in which God communicates or how he speaks to us, you're not going to be able to hear him. You're going to be thinking that people are just audibly hearing the voice of God all the time. When I say that God speaks to me, it's hardly ever rare. I've heard God speak to me one time. And all he said to me was, I love you. It changed my whole life. Rocked me. I laid on the floor for hours. That's the only time. But I don't go around just floating on clouds hearing God speak to me audibly like the, like the Irish guy in Braveheart. Do you remember that guy? Anybody like that movie? It's kind of old. I'm dating myself up. One of the greatest movies of all time. He's like, ah, oh, me and God, we've got a relationship. Ireland is my island. And he, nobody? Okay. <laughs> I'll stop with that reference. But I don't go around acting like a crazy Irishman who just hears the voice of God audibly all the time. And when God speaks to you, it may not be audibly, hardly ever. But he does speak. So we have to learn how he speaks. I'm going to cover how he speaks to us this morning, how we can begin to discern him speaking. And uh, before I get into that, I want to talk about why it's so important. Why is it crucial that we learn how to listen to the voice of Jesus over our life? Why is it foundational for our faith? And not only for our faith, but why is it foundational for us to fulfill the one thing that God commanded us to do to make disciples? Why is it foundational? Do you understand that our foundation is crucial as Christians? What you build your life upon uh, is, is crucial to what is built up beyond that. In all of life, anyone who's in construction knows the foundation has to be set first before you can put up the walls and before you can put on a roof. If the foundation's junk, the whole thing is junk. Would you agree? I don't know if you remember back in 2010. It's a while back for some of us. Some of you were just born. Um, maybe not, but... Back in 2010, in the beginning months of 2010, there were two major earthquakes that hit two different countries that had devastating results. The first one was in January 12th of 2010. It hit the nation of Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. That earthquake that hit on that day was a 7.0 magnitude on the Richter scale, and it killed over 230,000 people. It destroyed over 250,000 homes made a million people homeless in a moment of shaking. It injured over 300,000 people, and the nation was completely destroyed for years to come and are still trying to rebuild even today. Six weeks later, January or February 27th, uh, another earthquake hit a mile off the coast of Chile, measuring at 8.8 .8 magnitude on the Richter scale, over 1,000 times stronger than the one that hit Haiti. And in that earthquake, 500,000 buildings were damaged, but not completely destroyed, and only 500 people died. That's a big contrast between the two earthquakes, especially one that was 1,000 times greater, had less death toll than the one that had in Haiti. Now, any, any type of death, and any type, anytime people lose their lives, especially in earthquakes, is tragic. But isn't it interesting, there was a big difference between 230,000 people dying and only 500 people dying in two separate earthquakes six weeks apart. Experts say the reason why is, be, is because in Haiti there is no building code. So there was no code that says this is how you build a firm foundation. And because of that, 230,000 plus people lost their lives to an earthquake. But in Chile, because they had had an earthquake uh, several years prior to that, they decided to restructure how things were built when they rebuilt and rebuilt better. 
And because of that, they were able to survive a massive earthquake just off their, off their shore. And the reason is because the way we build our foundation matters. Not only in our structural building, but also in our spiritual life. Would you agree? What we build our lives on matters. And Jesus taught his followers how to build a foundation that would last when the storms of life come. So that uh, when earthquakes hit you and the winds and the storms and the tragedies of life hit you, that you won't implode because of the difficulties that you face. I don't think anybody wants to, when, when, when life hits them, we want to crumble to our feet, right, to our knees. We don't want to just fall apart. We want to have something that we are standing on. Nobody in the, in the fourth quarter of their life wants to run out of gas and not be able to cross the finish line. Everybody wants to live a life that means something, that is built on something greater than ourselves. And Jesus told every single follower how to have a life that is firmly grounded and, and built on a foundation that will last a legacy, or leave a legacy and last a lifetime. And the way that he did that is by his teaching us in Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. I'm going to read through verse 27, because Jesus tells us how to build a firm foundation. And if you've been in the church for quite some time, you might be thinking, well, this is pretty simplistic. This is simple. Yeah, I understand this. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter if you've been in the church for 50 years. It's a good reminder to understand that what, what helps us build a firm foundation of our faith. Because when life hits you, sometimes we can get off kilter. We can begin to get distracted and we forget the simplicity of the gospel, what God has called us to do that will keep us grounded and, and founded on the faith. So Jesus tells his disciples, and you can put yourself in this, turn your ears on and open your hearts because this is a word from the Lord for you today. Verse 24, he says this, everyone, say everyone. Everyone, that means everyone. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. When the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone, say everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Right before this passage, Jesus says these haunting words found in the Bible. Probably the most haunting uh, of words for anybody who wants to be a follower of Jesus. Because he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a haunting message for the creator of the universe, the, the savior of the world to say, not everybody who calls me Lord will enter into my kingdom. He says, but only he or she who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He even said, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Last week we talked about our desire is to draw close to Jesus and to pursue Jesus and to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's not about doing uh, ministry exploits or uh, 
or, or doing all of these fabulous things and being successful as the world defines success in the kingdom. Uh, the greatest success, Jesus says, when he sent his disciples out and they came back and said, demons were cast out, we healed the sick. He says, rejoice rather that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because our name's written in there because we have relationship with him. And Jesus is saying, you can do all of these things, but if you don't have relationship with me, I don't know you. That's, that's terrifying. Because you can do all of these wonderful things and, and a lot of things can be happening around you. But if you're disconnected from the one who actually saves you and redeems you, it's worthless. See, the problem is, you can look like you have it all together. You can even think that you have it all together and still not be right with God. So it's not just about doing the right things. It's about being close enough to hear Jesus speak so that you act out of relationship with him. So you, we don't act out of obligation or some type of religious ritual or we act because of guilt that we feel or because of duty or because of pride or anything other than our relationship with Jesus. We're so close to him, we hear him speak and because of what we hear him say, we do those things. And Jesus said, uh, those who will enter into the kingdom are those who do the will of the Father. What does Jesus speak to us? He speaks to us the will of the Father. Jesus says, I don't speak anything other than what I hear my Father say. And so we as, as, as followers of Jesus have to have that kind of relationship. It should not be weird for us to say that we hear from God. It should not be a strange thing for us to say that we talk to God and he talks back to us. But how many of you just even sitting here right now, when I say that, it, it, feels, it feels foreign to you? Like, wait a minute. I'm, no, no, being a Christian is about doing this and not doing that and saying this and not saying that. No, friend. Being a Christian is having a relationship with Jesus so that when he speaks to you, you hear him and you act upon what you hear. See, you can even do many things for God and still lose out. And I'm not saying this to scare you or to uh, hyper-emotionalize things. It's just a fact. Not everyone who looks spiritual is, in fact, a follower of Jesus. We have to have discernment. We have to understand what God is saying and doing. See, Jesus says in this passage that you can have your foundation built on him that will last the storms of life when you do two things. Hear his word and then put it into practice. So hearing the word of God and doing the word of God is your foundation as a follower of Jesus. This is what you build your life on. Hearing his word and then doing his word. Everything else is built on that. And I believe that a strong foundation is available to everyone. Because Jesus said everyone. He didn't say the ultra-spiritual. He didn't say the theologians and the seminary students. He didn't say the rich who have access to more. He didn't say the poor that I reach out to all the time. No, he says everyone. And in a society where we like to uh, break people into groups and segments and this and that and you're this and you're that, Jesus says, hey, guess what, everybody? Everyone can build a foundation on me. Everybody. Because he's the chief cornerstone. We build our lives on him. That's the goodness of our God. He says everybody can come. What about those people? I don't like those people. Yeah, those people too. They can come and build their foundation on me. They can have a relationship with me. We like to push people out because they don't look like us, don't sound like us, they don't believe the way we believe, they don't vote for who we vote for. 
They're like, but not those people. No, Jesus says, guess what? Even those people. He says to the Republicans, even the Democrats can build a foundation on me. He says to the Democrats, even the Republicans. We're like, no, they can't. Yes, they can. Because his word triumphs our understanding. Hopefully that ruffled some feathers. I hope it did. You're like, okay, pastor, everyone. But secretly, I don't think those people. Okay. A strong foundation is available to everyone. That includes you. You can be confident about your future, and you don't have to worry the next time a personal storm hits your life or a personal earthquake shakes you to your foundations because Jesus says everyone can have a firm foundation in me. Everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice will be building your life on the solid rock who is Jesus. That previous paragraph, not everyone... Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father. It's just a continuation of that concept. It's not about just knowing about Jesus and doing stuff for Jesus. A strong foundation is not built on the work you do for God. There are plenty of religions out there that tell people, just do more things for God and you'll have a secure foundation. I can tell you they're riding up and down the streets on their bikes with their white shirts and their black ties. Thinking they have to earn their way into heaven. My heart breaks for them. Because they're serving a God who doesn't love them. They're serving a God who's false, who's not the real Jesus. Who says you've got to earn, pedal faster, knock on more doors. And maybe I'll love you. Maybe I'll give you a future. Maybe I'll give you an inheritance. My heart breaks for them. And yet there are still people who sit in our churches who still are trying to work out their salvation by thinking they have to earn something from God. Jesus says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on it can have a firm foundation on me. Everyone. So many people are trying to jump through hoops trying to earn something from God. Trying to get to heaven by their works. Jesus says, that's not how you build a firm foundation. A strong foundation is built on being close enough to hear my words, is what the Lord says. Be close enough to hear me when I speak, and then when I speak to you, do it. That's how you build a firm foundation. A solid foundation is for everyone, but you have to be close enough to listen, and then you have to obey. That's the qualification. Everyone who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice will build your life on the rock. I'm going to give you a, a couple of points this morning. They're very simple. In fact, I've already said them five times. The first thing, if you want a solid foundation, you have to first hear the words of Jesus. You have to hear the words of Jesus. Maybe you're asking, how? How do I hear the words? In a real sense, you can hear the words of Jesus by opening up the Bible. Go to the Gospels. If you have a Bible there or even on your phone, his words literally spoken over 2,000 years ago are in red for some of us. You can literally read those out loud and hear the, hear the words of Jesus. See, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each tell their story of Jesus from a little different perspective. And you can sit there and you can read the words of Jesus, but quickly as you read the Gospels, you'll be pushed out of the Gospels to the other texts. And you'll begin to read other parts of Scripture because Jesus' words will tell us 
that everything about him, the full revelation of Jesus, is not solely contained in the Gospels. Because Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, I've come to abol- I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So if you say, Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, maybe I should read the law and the prophets to see what he came to fulfill. As you begin to read scripture, it moves you out of the gospels into the rest of the Bible. In fact, the entire Old Testament is about him. It points to him. In Luke's gospel, chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said to his disciples, everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Everything must be fulfilled. So if you want to hear the words of Jesus, you open up your Bible and say, what does this reveal to me about Jesus? That's how you hear very easily how you hear God's voice. Some of us make it too mystical. Over, we over-spiritualize it. You think that you have to spend hours alone just meditating and walking. Shh, 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 I'm listening. I'm trying to hear the... But some of us are like, I don't have that kind of time, so I'll never hear the voice of God. Well, I can tell you very simply, if you open your Bible and ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me who Jesus is and make me more like him, God speaks to you through the word. See, if you're going to fully understand Jesus and begin to hear his voice, you're going to have to read the rest of Scripture. You're going to have to open up your Bibles. To hear the words of Jesus, you're going to have to make reading the Scripture a high priority because it's foundational. I gave you a very simple point, but now it's like, how does it become practical? It's like, it's like telling somebody, hey, you want to you get like, ripped and jacked up? Yeah? Okay, you got to exercise. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, now, no, literally, pick up those weights and work out. Wait, I got to do work for this now? I can tell you, you if you want to hear, if you want to build a firm foundation on, Jill, uh, on Jesus, you have to hear him. Oh, okay. Okay, this is how you hear him. I got to do what? I actually got to pick up the Bible and read it? Come on, pastor, like, just lay hands on me or something. I don't, like, I got to do all this. Yeah, because there's something that's involved. You have to... You have to put your time into something to get something out of it. God's speaking to you, but I'm telling you where his words are found. We've had it for thousands of years, and yet people are still trying to build a foundation on something else. So that's the first thing. You have to make reading the Bible a high priority. But simply reading scripture will not necessarily cause you to hear the words of Jesus. Just because you crack the Bible open and read something doesn't mean you're listening. Just because you read the Bible cover to cover doesn't mean you're listening to Jesus. How can I say that? Because I've gone to school with plenty of, of theologians and seminary students who've read the Bible cover to cover and they don't know the voice of God from anybody. Because they're looking for the wrong thing. They're not looking to hear from Jesus. They're trying to gain more knowledge. They're trying to gain more insight. They're trying to justify the reason they want to live in the sin they're living in. So they're not listening for Jesus. I know plenty of people who've gone through Bible the Bible quiz, memorizing scripture as kids who are grown adults living like hell because they weren't looking for Jesus as they read scripture. Just reading the Bible doesn't, doesn't cause you to hear. You have to open your heart. You have to hear with your heart what the word of God says to you. You have to approach scripture saying, this is the life that I'm looking for. This is the hope that I need. This is the answer for all the things that I'm struggling with. Now, God, speak to me. I need it. I have to have it. I have to eat your word. I have to drink it deep. I have to understand that my mind will be renewed by the washing of your word. So wash me, Holy Spirit, by your word. Teach me. This is life. You have to approach scripture like that. 
not this is just more knowledge or no study or what are we reading and what are we flipping? Oh, that's a nice verse, and I don't get that part. Who cares? Whatever. It's not that kind of laissez-faire approach to scripture. We go in with a this is the life that I need. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I have to have. You have to hear it with your heart. So I recommend that you pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I open my heart for you today. As I read your word, speak to me, change me, make me like Jesus. Open my heart. I remember I received my first Bible at 13. Well, I got one first, but I couldn't read it. I was too young. But at 13, I got serious. I got a study Bible when I finished eighth grade from my Aunt Wandell. She gave it to me. I started reading it. My dad told me. When I went into my room, <laughs> son, when you read that Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to speak. So I cracked it open. I said, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I began to read. And he began to speak. 13 years old. The reason I did that is because I saw something in my dad that I wanted. And I want my boys to see something in me that they want. And I want your children, your friends, and your family, and your coworkers, and your neighbors to see something in you that they want. And it happens when you open the word of God and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Heavenly Father, my heart is open. Make me like Jesus. The people around us will be radically transformed because of the light that's inside of us. And the light that burns inside of us burns brightly because the word of God uh, is inside of us. And we submit our lives to it. I wasn't planning on getting emotional, but it makes me think about how good God has been. By just praying a simple prayer, he answered it. I didn't know what I was asking for even in that moment. I just wanted to be like Jesus. And he, and he answers it and he speaks. Sorry, I apologize. One thing that I do, and I recommend it for a lot of us, it's a great way to begin to open your heart to scripture, is, is doing an acronym called SOAP. Has anybody done SOAP before? It's a great, it's a great tool. It's uh, SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. When you read a passage of Scripture, as a Scripture stands out to you, take a highlighter or a pen or something and highlight that verse as you're continuing to read. So if you maybe are reading through the Bible in a year, you're reading four or five chapters a day, or even if you're just wanting to read the New Testament, you're reading a chapter a day. As something stands out to you, highlight the verse and then go back to it. Have a notepad down or a journal or something. Write that verse out. That's your scripture. Then what is your observation? Or in other words is a way you can say it. How can I put this in something that I understand it? You, what do you observe the scripture is saying? Then application. How do you apply it to your life? If you're going to read the scripture and that verse stands out to you, how do I make that apply to my life so that tomorrow I live differently? If we do it in the morning, how, do, how today am I going to live differently by, based on that scripture that I just read? And then you pray it. Holy Spirit, I see that you're speaking to me this word through your word. Help me to apply it to my life. Help me to live it out today. You do that very simply, what are you doing? You're hearing the word of God and you're applying the word of God. You're building a firm foundation. This seems really simple. But there's so many of us who don't do it. Maybe because it's too simple. I want greater things, Pastor. I want, a, I want a deeper understanding. I want a deeper knowledge. Start here. And then never leave. Never leave this place. And God will build from that place. But we've got to stay here. You're never going to outgrow this. 
the firm foundation of hearing God's word and then doing it. The second part, so first you have to hear God's word. The second part, you have to be with God's people. You have to be with God's people. Jesus told us that he is present when his people gather. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19, says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, hold on to that verse right there. Verse 22, it says, in him, you. We read that, we make it singular. In the Greek, that's plural. If, there, if we were in the South, it'd say y'all. In him, y'all are being built together. Y'all are being built together into a dwelling place for God's Spirit to dwell. So he's not just talking about you and you. and saying all of us. See, there's something special when we come together. The Spirit of God dwells there. We are being built together. Stones stacked onto each other that are building a place for God's Spirit to dwell. So there's something special when we come together. That's why we gather here on Sundays. It's why we gather in small groups. It's why we gather our, our youth and young adults gather on Monday nights. Why we gather on the first Wednesday together and then other Wednesdays with men's and women's group. Because we know that Jesus is here. We know that Jesus shows up when we gather. And we don't gather just so that we can have some type of social network. We gather because Jesus is real. And we encounter him when we come together. So I, I understand that many people go to groups, not necessarily to hear the words of Jesus and become more like him. I know some people gather because of the, the social connection, because they're needing friends, and that's fine. But at some point, it has to go beyond that into a place where we're hearing the voice of God. I know some people gather to read the Bible because it's like a study and they're like, feed me more information and more information and people just love to take on information and more information. But information alone is not necessarily going to help you hear what God is saying. So if you want to hear Jesus, you need to start listening. So I encourage everyone, as you... Uh, come into our meetings and come into on Sunday mornings or in our Wednesday nights. Ask yourself, what is God saying to us? Ask yourself here, God, what are you saying to me? Even as I'm speaking, God, what are you saying? What are you saying to us? God, what are you saying to me through others? What does God want to say through me to encourage others? I believe that if Jesus is the center of our meetings, he'll communicate through each one of us in a way that will build others up. And there's a variety of ways that the Holy Spirit and that, that Jesus speaks to us. There's a lot of gifts that the Lord uses. And sometimes he communicates through words, through creative communication and words of encouragement and discernment and words of knowledge. He speaks through prophecy. He speaks through teaching. He speaks through words of faith, words of wisdom, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, intercession, evangelism. He'll speak a lot of ways, and he does that using people, using us. Sometimes he communi communicates through other people's actions, 
through people's giftings and administration and leadership and craftsmanship and giving and healing and serving and hospitality and mercy and miracles and even pastors. He speaks through pastors sometimes. That was a joke. Hopefully he speaks through me a lot of times. No one laughed at that one, so I thought I had to reiterate. You're probably like, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. I know that, that there are men in this house that God speaks through them when they swing a hammer. When they lay carpet, when they paint walls, God is speaking through them. God speaks through us differently and in different ways. So we don't discredit people because God doesn't speak through them the way he speaks through us. He even speaks through men and women differently. And he uses our gifts and our talents differently. I know churches that there are wars between men and women because God's not speaking through them the way that he speaks through us. I'm like, are you kidding me? Not in this house. We support each other. God's speaking through you. Praise God. God's speaking through me. Praise God. God's moving in the women. Praise God. God's moving in the men. Praise God. We do it together. We're our body knit together for God's glory. See, when we see something that builds up someone else, we, we have somebody who's even saying something to us that builds us up, acknowledge it. Tell them, hey, thank God that you're here. Thank you for, for saying that. It really encouraged me. It really uh, strengthened my heart. It really built me up. Thank you for sharing your gift. It's good that we share with each other and thank each other for God using each other in the kingdom of God. God wants to speak through you. As you ask, God, it, and, and God's been moving in times uh, uh, prophetically even in, in me, and I've been asking the Lord, God, I want to speak words of encouragement to your people. And when he does that, I thank God for it. And I, but I'm asking him while I'm up here, God, who is it that you want to speak life to? Who is it that you have something to, to, to say to them? And he, and, I, and he highlights somebody, and then I speak it. And, and God wants to do that through you, too, as you ask, as you're going throughout your day. God, what is it that you want to reveal to somebody, your love, your, your character, your heart for them? Ask him, and he'll speak as you listen to him. The only caution I would have for you about that is, is that... Uh, the voice of Jesus never contradicts the word that clearly is expressed in his scripture. So if you feel like God is saying something to you and it goes against what Jesus said in scripture, that ain't Jesus. Don't say it. Right? If you're going up there and being like, God told me you're going to have seven kids. And then and they're like, excuse me? Yeah, don't say that. That's weird. If you said that to me, I would reject it. Like, oh, that ain't the Lord, man. That's the devil. Uh-uh. That ain't going to happen. The Lord knows my heart. Right? If someone thinks they're giving a word of prophecy, the Bible says, test the spirits. Is this true or is it not? Does this build others up? Is it consistent with what God is clearly saying in his word? Is Jesus being glorified when I say this? Does this help someone learn to follow Jesus more? If not, don't say it. Maybe God's revealing something to you, but that should not be revealed to somebody else yet. Hold it in. But if God's speaking something that builds them up, helps them follow Jesus, encourages them to continue to pursue Jesus, speak it to somebody. Don't be afraid. Even if you walk up, man, God really loves you. Man, God's heart longs for you. That's a good word. It draws them close. And God will speak even more clearly. But you have to be with his people. Something happens when we gather together. But it's not enough to hear the words. Read scripture and walk with others. 
If you want to have a strong foundation, especially in the midst of the storm, you have to put the words into practice. So you hear it, and then you do it. My last point, you might have guessed it. You must do the words of Jesus. You must do the words that you hear Jesus speak. So you have to ask yourself, what would, I ha- what would you have me do, Jesus? Because scripture addresses this principle. Everything that you will ever face in life is found in scripture. God has something to say about it. And if you'll stop and listen, if you fill your life with his word, you'll know what his words are saying. And it will give you proper aspect on your life. But knowing is not doing. The foundation is not built because you have a good blueprint of the foundation and you know how to read the foundation. And you know how to read the blueprint. The foundation is built by building it and following the blueprint. You know, have anybody who's done construction? You get a blueprint, you're like, all right, it's what it says. You can't just lay it on the ground and be like, okay, build. We have the blueprint. You have to, just because you read it and you have it, means you have to actually follow it and do it to build it. You build the foundation by building it. Many times I don't want to do what the Lord speaks to me and tells me to do, but I have to teach myself, no, if I'm going to have a firm foundation in life, I have to hear his word and then do it. If you're going to have a firm foundation that will last the storms of life, you, you cannot trust your feelings to tell you what to do. You must hear God's word and then act on it. And it might feel awkward at first, and it might not be pretty. I've never really seen a pretty foundation. I've never walked up to a construction site and said, that is a really good foundation. I mean, that is the best looking foundation I've ever seen. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be romantic. It's not going to be something that you're like, oh, I just, oh, it's a beautiful thing. But you build it. You may not do well at first, but consistently doing what the word of God tells you to do will result in building a strong foundation that will hold up against the storms of life. But I want you to think about this real quick as as I'm drawing to a close. You don't often see people building a foundation in the middle of a hurricane. You build a foundation when things are going well. The same is true in our spiritual life. Some of us wait until there's a crisis before we'll come to God. Some of us try to build a foundation in the middle of the storm instead of building the foundation before the storm comes. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I don't want to discourage anybody. If you're in a crisis, run to Jesus. Clearly. Jesus says in John chapter 6, All that my Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never turn away. So if you come to him in the middle of a crisis, he still calls you in. But I just want to tell you, don't wait for a crisis to begin to build. Don't wait till you're in the middle of a storm to try to start laying those bricks and start pouring the cement. Do it while the weather is good, the skies are clear, and you understand what you're doing and you have a purpose. Jesus, he'll always welcome you. So you should come to Jesus in a crisis, but you build a foundation in the day-to-day when no one is looking when there's no catastrophic event that you're facing, when everyone else is going about their business, you're laying the foundation. As the worship team comes, I want you to ask yourself, what can I do to ensure that I put his words into practice?
How do I begin to hear? I've told you. You read his word and you ask him. God, I open my heart to you. Speak to me. You gather with other believers to hear his word and to be encouraged. But when you hear it, you take it in and then you do it. We don't want to be like people who experience the Holy Spirit and then walk away and do nothing about it. Nothing has ever changed. Paul says that's like looking in a mirror, walking away and forgetting your reflection. What do I look like? Who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Hear the, hear the voice of God. Hear the word of God. Take it in and then apply it. Apply it today. Apply it tonight. Apply it tomorrow. Ask yourself, what can I do to ensure that I put this into practice? Some of you today know that you need to respond to Jesus' invitation. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the first thing you do to put it into practice. Surrendering your life to Jesus. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. A relationship that you choose, not that someone chooses for you. Just because you were raised in the church or you were raised Catholic or your family's this or something that, you have to choose it for yourself. You have to choose it. You have to choose to say, I will follow Jesus. I will give my life to Jesus. I will ask him into my life. I'll ask him to forgive me of my sin, to turn me to him. Take my old past away and give me new life. You have to take it on. You have to choose it. If that's you this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, those who are watching online, if you've tried to do life your own way and you're coming to the conclusion that it's not working, you have to surrender your life to Jesus. You have to become a follower. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. But it's more than a prayer. It's a commitment to say, from this day forward, I will follow Jesus. So if that's you this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you, right now, in this moment, just to slip your hand up so I can pray with you. If you feel the Holy Spirit working on your heart, that you need to surrender your life to Jesus, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is speaking to your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand, would you stand to your feet so I can pray with you? As you're standing, would you come? Would you meet me down here? I'm going to have a couple of guys meet us down here. Would you stretch your hands towards Pablo today? I'm going to have you repeat this prayer after me. Just uh, open your hands now. We've got people receiving the Lord. Say, Jesus. Today, I give you my heart. From this day forward, I will live for you. I confess 
you're the son of God. That you died to forgive me of my sin. And that you rose again. And you're at the right hand of God. I will follow you. I will serve you. To the best of my ability. For all of my life. Help me. Holy Spirit. Come on, would you celebrate with Pablo today? Come on, church, again, would you celebrate that new life? New life in Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, what if that was your brother, your cousin, your friend, your neighbor? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is working. God is moving. If you'll stand to your feet this morning as we draw our time to a close. For those who are followers of Jesus, I want to ask you a simple question. Are you listening to his word and then doing it? Are you listening to his word and then doing it? It's not about your ministry or your busy work or even something good that you do. Are you listening first? Taking the time to listen and then acting. That's what it means to build a firm foundation in Jesus. We can get so caught up and worked up in doing things for Jesus or doing the right things or not doing the wrong things that we forget that we're first called to listen, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And this morning, Jesus is calling all of us who say that we follow him back to his feet. Say, sit with me a while. I want to teach you. I want you to hear my voice again. And some of you maybe who have struggled with hearing God's voice over your life or having that kind of intimacy with him, I hear the Lord saying to you today, Come sit at my feet, and I'm going to speak over you. I'm going to speak over you. If that's you this morning, you can either raise your hands or you can step out of, from where you're sitting and just come down here as the worship team leads us in song. We're coming to lay our lives down. Say, Jesus, I want to hear from you again. I want to draw close to you again. I want to know your voice. I want to feel your touch. So if that's you this morning, would you come forward? We can pray together. Let's hear from Jesus today. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of